Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Um, my prayer this week for our, our youth that have gone away has simply just been that they would encounter God. You know, we can know a whole lot of things about God, we can learn a whole lot of things about God, but until we actually encounter Him, not a whole lot changes on the inside. And so my prayer for our young guys this weekend is simply that they would encounter God. And that's my prayer for us this morning as well, that we would just encounter the living God because he wants to encounter us. He wants to be part of our world. Pastor Shane asked me to speak on community um, this morning. And as I was reflecting this week, I was simply just reminded how blessed we are to have such an awesome community to be a part of. To be part of a church community is something that I believe that we can often take for granted. I know it's something that I've taken for granted. I've been in church my whole life, and I've always had heaps of people around me. I've always had heaps of support when things are down, and I've, there's just always been a massive group of people around me. But the more I go through life, the more I realize that the people I rub shoulders with at work and, and around the place don't have that. They don't have the support that we have. You know, at the end of the day, if everything went pear shape in my life and, you know, I ended up bankrupt or whatever, I, I know that my family would never be on the street. Why? Because I'm part of a community where that stuff just doesn't happen. And th there's so many people around that don't have that support network. And we are so, so, so blessed um, to be part of a church community. And, and I'm super, super thankful for that. To be part of a church community of believers that walk through life together is what I believe makes life so beautiful. And this is a picture we get in the early church in Acts chapter 2 that it says they had everything together and they shared what they had with one another. And, and that's often been my experience in the church community and I love that. Life is about relationship. Every single thing we do revolves around relationship. Nothing happens without relationship. And the healthier our relationships are, the healthier our community we are in is going to be. And so that, that what I want to talk about this morning is some of the challenges, some of the lids, some of the things that stop us from our relationships being healthy or going to that next level. Um, because I believe that God wants us simply to be healthy in our relationships, and I, want, I believe he wants us to have a healthy community that is overflowing into the community in which we are a part of. And so I want to look at a few things this morning that um, basically stop us from moving forward in that. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is the fact that we actually have this God-shaped hole. And, and some of you um, that have heard the last time I preached, I talked a little bit about this, but I think it's still worth um, talking about. We have this God-shaped hole inside of us, right? And God was designed to fulfill it. And everything that, that we, we all, our, all our identity, all our future, um, everything is meant to be tied up in God filling this void inside of us. And, and so to the extent that we allow God to fill this hole inside of us is going to affect all the relationships and everything that happens. Our security, our life, our identity, our future, all the things that we cry out for, all the things that we hunger for, are meant to be filled with God. And so as we are filled with the goodness of, and, and the life that he has for us, out of that there's an overflow. We are actually created to overflow. And the only way we can overflow is when God actually fills that void in everything that we have 
on the inside of us. And so the natural progression is this. If you like, we receive love from God, then we are able to love other people. This is a picture we get in the Garden of Eden and of Adam and Eve walking with God. There was no agendas. It was simply God just enjoying Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve enjoying God. God loving Adam and Eve, them receiving that, and then loving one another in the same way that God have lo- has loved them. 1 John 3.16, this has become, I've got lots of favourite passages, but this is one of my favourites. It says this. We all know John 3.16, but this is 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of, of God be in that person? Dear children, let us, not, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. And I love that passage because it just paints a picture of the community that God wants us to be a part of. That we would receive the love that he has for us. And we in turn would love each other the same way that Christ loved us. There's a challenge right there, right? To love each other the same way that Christ loved us. To give our all, to lay down our all, to lay down our everything. That, I'm just going to open this. to lay down our everything, to love each other the same way that God loves us. And you know what? This isn't just something that God decided to do to, to, to just send Jesus. It's something that he decided to do along the way. Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. Jesus is the exact representation of who God is. And so God gives of himself to us because he loves us without all the conditions that we often place upon relationships. He just loves us. And this is the love that we are actually encouraged to have for one another. This is the love we're called to have for one another as brothers and sisters and as a family. But sometimes, you know what, if we're honest, we don't actually get all our life from God. We look to other things. And if we aren't getting that void, that hole filled from God, then we're going to look to other people or we're going to look to other things to fill that void. And to the degree that we don't get our life from God, we will be actually robbing life from other people and from other things. We fill our life with things like status and wealth and fame and good looks and power, appearance. And so here's the thing, that while ever we're getting life from other things and other people, we're going to have a grip on those things. We're going to grab hold of those things. And be taking life from other people. We weren't designed to take life from other people or compete with one another in the family, in the community. We weren't designed to do that. We were designed to overflow. And so whenever our void, whenever that, that, that thing on the inside of us isn't being filled with God, we're going to naturally look to other things. And that's just what we do as humans. And we don't always get it right. This isn't the freedom that we see in the garden. And I don't believe it's the freedom that God wants to have. I don't believe it's the freedom that we sometimes experience in the community, in the family. And so instead of overflowing into others, we now potentially draw life from other people. You and I were created to overflow. We were created to overflow with an unconditional, with a never-ending, abundant, full, outrageous love that we only find in Jesus Christ. 
when he becomes our wall, to move towards a more deeper relationship with people, we can't be finding our value and our self-worth in other people or in things that needs to be found in God and God alone. And so to move towards a more deeper, intimate relationship with each other, and within your family, with your husband, with your spouse, with your kids, we need to be getting all of our life, all of our source, all of our identity from Christ and Him alone. To move towards a more deeper, authentic relationship, we need to actually get a little bit vulnerable. Now, that's a word that we don't really like too much, becoming a little bit more vulnerable. And I heard a definition um, this week on vulnerability. It said, vulnerability is the courage to show up imperfect. Vulnerability is the courage to show up imperfect. First and foremost, I want to encourage us this morning that we need to learn to be vulnerable with God. Because first and foremost, He is a safe place. We can actually be vulnerable with Him. And I don't know the last time it was that you, you, you just stood and just told God about your week. And we can tend to say that, you know what, God knows everything, so I kind of don't need to do that. He just kind of knows. But there's something incredibly powerful about sitting before God and just telling Him what's going on in your world, about telling Him how you're feeling, about telling Him about your challenges, about telling Him about the struggles, about the sin or whatever it might be. Because every time I've, had the, every time I've done that, what I've actually received is a God with an outstretched arm saying, I just love you, Steve. I just love hanging out with you. I just love you communicating with me. It's like my kid when you, you, my kids, when they get home from school, how's your day? Yeah, good. Sometimes we can do that with God. But, but me being a dad, I want to know more about what's going on in my, my, my kids' world. And it does something to my heart when they begin to open up and when they begin to share with me. It actually stirs something in my heart. And I think it's the same with God as well. When we begin to open up and share what is going on in our world, what we receive, begin to receive, is a love, is an acceptance, is our identity begins to get tied up in who God says we are rather than what the world says we're supposed to be. The big picture is that God wants us to have life to the fullest. He wants us to have healthy relationships with one another. The flip side of that is the enemy actually wants to rob you of relationship. And he does that through lies. And so if he can get you to believe the lies about hiding who we really are, about our identity being found in our work or our sport or wherever it is that we find ourselves, if he can get us to believe the lies about sex and marriage and fulfillment, when we believe all these lies, our relationships are affected and we begin to compete with one another rather than flow out of the outpouring that God wants for each one of us. And the only way that those lies can be fulfilled is through drawing life from other people and from other things and that's not the way that we were created. That's always going to put a lid on the health of our community, on the health of our relationships, on the health of our family. We hide who we really are because we don't want people to see the real us. We perform and come across confident to hide our insecurities. We come across humorous to hide the fears that we have. We come across religious to hide the scared and the scaredness and the doubts that we often have. 
about God and life. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is truth, and if you want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus Christ. Jesus reminds us that God's love is unconditional, that he's not mad, he's madly in love with you. The truth dispels the lies about who the enemy tells us God is or what God is like. The truth dispels those lies. The truth sets us free from the lies so that we can overflow and love others without having to compete for status or power. The truth is that I'm accepted, that I'm loved beyond measure without any strings attached. We place so many strings on relationships, don't we? We were never meant to put strings, I love you if you do A, B, and C. That's not how God loves. God loves unconditional. God's love is nothing to do with a contract. It's everything to do with a covenant that he's made to us. A covenant that says, I love you no matter what. Like the sun shines upon us. We can't do anything about it. The sun just shines. We can go and hide in a room, but it doesn't matter. The sun is still shining. That's what God's love is like for each one of us. We need to get a revelation of that in our heart. That I'm loved with an everlasting, unconditional, radical, beautiful, beyond measure love. That if I would rest in that, that if I would accept it and experience it, it would cause me to overflow in such a way that our households would look totally different, that our, our schools would look totally different, that our church would look totally different because we are living out of an overflow, not trying to rob life and compete with everyone else for status and power or whatever it might be. We can't overflow seeking the things of this world. And so what the truth does is dispels the lie. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What grace does, grace dispels performance. Grace stops us having to perform. When we understand that grace, that, it's, that God's love for us is free, that I can't earn it, I can't buy it, I can't be good enough. God's love just is. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. He just loves you right where you are, right where you're at, in the middle of the garbage or whatever it is that you might find yourself in. He loves you in the middle of that. He's passionate about you, about you not having to perform. I come across a um, section of a book a number of years ago, and I was just reminded of it this week. And it's called The New Testament Gamble. It's by a guy called John Lynch. And I don't know if you've, you've ever heard it, but just for the next couple of minutes, I just simply want you to close your eyes, and I want to, I want to read a passage from this book. It's written from the perspective of God towards us, but it's so powerful. And, and honestly, I don't think we can revisit this too much. I don't think we can, we can wrestle with it or, or, or talk about it too much God's grace towards us just close your eyes just for a couple of minutes and I just want to read it this is from the perspective of God to you it says this what if I tell them who they are what if I take away any element of fear condemnation judgment or rejection what if I tell them I love them will always love them that I love them right now no matter what they've done as much as I love my only son that there's nothing they can do to make my love go away? What if I tell them that there are no lists? What if I tell them I don't keep a log of past offences, of how little they pray, how often they've let me down, made promises that they didn't keep? What if I tell them that they are righteous, 
with my righteousness right now? What if I tell them that they can't stop, that they, they can stop beating themselves up, that they can stop being so formal, stiff and jumpy around me? What if I tell them that I'm crazy about them? What if I tell them, even if they run to the ends of the earth, do the most horrible, unthinkable things, that when they come back, I'd receive them with tears and a party? What if I tell them that I'm their saviour, that they're going to heaven no matter what? It's a done deal. What if I tell them that I actually live in them now, that I've put my love, power and nature inside them at their disposal? What if I tell them that they don't have to put on a mask, that it's okay to bear who they are in this moment with their junk, that they don't need to pretend about how close we are, how much they pray or don't pray, how much of the Bible they read or don't read? What if they knew that I will never, ever use the word punish in relation to them? What if they knew that when they mess up, I will never get back at them? What if they were convinced that bad circumstances aren't my way of evening the score for taking advantage of me? What if they knew the basis of our friendship isn't how little they sin? but how much they let me love them? What if I tell them that they can hurt my heart, but I can never hurt theirs? What if I tell them I like U2 music as well? What if I tell them they can open their eyes when they pray and still go to heaven? What if I tell them there's no secret agenda, no trapdoor? What if I tell them it isn't about their self-effort, but about allowing me to live my life through them? And open your eyes. Powerful, yeah? When we begin to get this and receive it and live in it, the less we have to draw life from other people and from other things. The more I receive, the less I have to compete. I'm free to love and I'm free to be loved. I'm free to love and I don't have to judge or try and fix someone. There's a word for someone this morning. It's not our job to fix people. It's our job to love people. I'm free to encourage people without having to compete with them. I'm free to bless and be generous because my source is God. I'm free to overflow with the same love that I have received. I live out of what God, God thinks of me rather than the lies and what everyone else thinks. We need to seek out a truth that dispels the lies and we need to seek out a grace that dispels the need for us to perform. That's what I believe our community is meant to be made up of. A community of believers that speaks truth to one another that the lies might go away and people might be free to live their life and experience all that God has for them. A community and a community of people where, where grace dispels this whole performance thing. Our kids get enough of that at school and on the sporting field. They don't need it here as well. This is the kingdom community that I believe we're called to. And it starts with us simply surrendering to God on a daily basis and just letting him love us. Just letting him love you. You've got to let him love you. When we know we're accepted by God and we no longer have to perform to 
to gain the acceptance of others. This is what separates us from every other community on the planet is the way that you and I love one another. And we get to love one another with the same love that God loved us with. And that is powerful. When we take that into our community, it is just so powerful. People don't get it. They don't understand. They're like, what would you do that for? It's just the way we roll. Three quick things to finish off with. Three practical things I think we can do to begin to see this outworked or continue seeing this outworked in our community because I think that's what God wants for us. Three quick things. Um, the first thing is we've got to get vulnerable with God and I've already, already touched on that. But take some time out this week. Take some time out through your day. Just, I don't know if you do, but just, just begin to chat with God about how your day's going. Just talk to him. He wants to hear. He, wa- he wants to know what's going on in your world. The challenges, the dark things, the things that we, we hide There's something incredibly powerful about sharing them with God. Because we often receive from God, the only reason we don't bring it out of the darkness is because we have a messed up view of who God is. We think he's going to be angry. We think he's going to, I don't know, send the lightning bolt. But that's not the God that I've come to know. Let's begin to get vulnerable with God. The second thing I think we need to do is we've got to continue doing the little things right. Um, me and Robin have had the privilege over probably the last 10 years to do a whole lot of pre-marriage um, facilitation with couples that are about to get married and couples that have been married. We're certainly no gurus on marriage. We've been married 16 years, absolutely love being married. And we're certainly, like I said, no gurus on this. But one of the things that often comes up is when we actually get familiar with people, we stop doing the little things right. It says in 1 Corinthians, and we often, we often hear this passage preached at, at, at weddings, but I don't think it's so much of a wedding passage, but rather an everyday life passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. They're often the two things that go out the door when we get familiar with people. And if I can get vulnerable with you for just a minute, sometimes I have grumpy days, okay? My wife can testify to that. And um, sometimes, I don't know, I just, I just remember this one specific day. I was just grumpy. I don't know what I was doing. I was probably saying some things I shouldn't have said. The kids were frustrating me. Anyway, had a visitor come to the door, and suddenly it was like this switch come on. And I was nice, and I was kind, and I was blessing them and welcoming them, welcoming, welcoming them into my house. And I reflected on that afterwards, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can do this to a complete stranger, and yet the people that I love the most, I've stopped doing it to. And I think we can often do that. For some reason, when we get familiar with people, when we get familiar with our husband or our, our wife, that just because they're a husband and our wife and we've lived with them for 16 years doesn't give us the right to stop being kind. doesn't give us the right to stop being patient with one another. I think we should actually do it more with one another. And it's the same with us in, in, in our community, in our church community. I know there's tension and there's frustrations, but we're called to be patient with one another. We're called to be kind it says love does not boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonour, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Love does, love does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is what we're called to be to one another. It's beautiful. Don't stop doing the little things right. Just because we're familiar or we're comfortable, let's not stop doing those things right. And the last thing, so let's get vulnerable with God. Let's do the little things right. And I think we've got to get, begin to get vulnerable with others. 
And you know what, this can be a tough one, right? Because there's probably been times in our life where we've been vulnerable with someone and then we've found they've shared it with someone else and then instantly the walls go up and then when we get an opportunity to be vulnerable again, we're like, no, 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 that wall's up, I'm not doing that. That's what happened last time. We've got to find a safe place. We've got to find people we can trust to actually do the journey with and begin to get a little bit vulnerable with. And this is why I think life groups are, are so, so important in the life of our church. It's so important that we can meet up with people that we trust. It says in James that when we, when we confess, when we begin to get vulnerable with one another, it actually brings healing into our life. There's something incredibly powerful about finding a group of people that you can meet up with every week or once a fortnight or whatever it is and just begin to be a little bit vulnerable with people. And my prayer is that, that, that the group that you're hanging out with, the life group that you find would be a place where you can just be accepted for who you are. With the baggage, with whatever it is. Because that's what we're called to do as brothers and sisters. None of us are any better or whatever than anyone else. But we're called to walk alongside each other. We're called to love one another. We're, we're called to be a community of believers that seeks out truth. Because the truth dispels the lies. We're meant to be a community of people, a life groups where, where, where grace is poured out upon people so people are free to be the people that they are, are called to be and find the healing that God wants to pour into their life. You and I were created to overflow. We were created to overflow, not suck and draw life from other people. Let's be a community of people that shares the love of God, not just with each other, but with our community. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you were doing in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you for the challenges of life sometimes. We thank you that you were right there in the middle of those things. Lord, we thank you above and beyond this morning for just our community. Lord, I pray for those this morning that, are, that this message may have stirred some stuff inside. I pray for those this morning that are longing for that place where they can just find a group of people and be accepted. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would lead them to the right life group, that you would lead them to the right place where they can find that acceptance and that truth and that freedom, Father God. Lord, we open up our hearts to you. We choose to be vulnerable with you this week. Lord, we ask that we, we, we just declare that we want our lives, that void to be filled with you and you alone. Lord, we don't want to draw life from people. Father God, you created us to be free. And Lord, I speak freedom over every single person in this place this morning. I speak your grace over every single person, that they would leave this place knowing that they are accepted, loved, valued, with an unsurpassable, Father, love that we see on the cross. Lord, we give you thanks this morning. In Jesus' name.